ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN1420 app. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, the great sports callers open think tank. What a show it's been this morning, okay? We had Jake DeLome on earlier. We had Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. And now we've got Raging Cajun analyst, uh, color analyst, and alum Gerald Broussard on with me right now. And, uh, gee, it's early National Signing Day, which has taken a little bit of um, steam away from the, the old just February National Signing Day where everything went nuts. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that for the record. Um, but, uh, but on a day like today, and we're, we're updating you know the Cajuns and, and the Tiger signing classes over on our website and our app. But on a day like today, what, what two-part question, G., Give me the backstory of when you signed, because things were way different back then. And, uh, and, and what is your overall thoughts about signing day and sort of the allure that surrounds it? So when I signed, Scott, I would, actually, there was an early signing day. And, and it, it, it was, it was 1978, uh, December 15th. So whatever, however many years ago that was, yesterday. And so also December 15th, too, and I make sure to just tell Greg Larner happy birthday again, because as long as somebody tells you happy birthday, you get to continue celebrating your birthday. So with that, though, I think that it was something where, where, you know, it was was a big deal for us because, you know, we had some people at the house. We had a little bit of a signing party and, and, you know, some of the news people were there and stuff. And then mom and dad actually left the house and went to Houston for back then they had the blue bonnet bowl. I don't know if you remember it, but, but there was a blue bonnet bowl, but along with the blue bonnet bowl was a blue bonnet classic, which was a basketball tournament that went along with that. And the Cajuns were playing in the blue bonnet classic. And so mom and dad were going to that basketball tournament and Scott, they left us at home by ourselves and that wasn't wise. Uh-oh. And so we, we had quite an event for, for that night, that, that Friday night, and had a good time. It was, it was also the night of the state championship. We got beat the week before in the, in the semifinals by St. Aug, so that was the night of the state championship. So we, we, had, a, we had a good time with me and, and a lot of my friends, and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun with my family and friends, my sisters and brother and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we, we had a real good time. And then, you know, as, as far as for coaching, then when I got into coaching, that early signing period went away. And so then you had to hold on with whoever you had that you felt real good about. Now, early signing was always there for junior college guys that were coming out at midterm, but everybody else would hold on to try and do all their recruiting and stuff during, during January. And then, you know, signing day is so important just because it's a culmination of all your efforts and, and, and just, it, it's just a validation because we know that, that commitments mean nothing until you sign Sometimes people are even fighting their way out of that now, but, but until you sign, then, then it doesn't mean anything. And, and so I always really enjoyed signing day. I always tried to make a big deal of signing day. I always, you know, liked promoting and stuff. Since I've gotten out of coaching, I could care less. I really don't care. I just want to see them play. I'll tell you how good a signee they are when I watch them on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, uh, I, I, I kind of share that sentiment. Um, Happy for the kids, care for the kids, but, you know, it, it's just, let's wait and see. Uh, signing classes, grades, ratings, all that, it it, uh, it turned into an industry 
uh, first and kind of signing day second, at least from a media standpoint and a fan standpoint for that matter. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. Look, the staff, typically they would go out and celebrate a little bit, maybe um, – uh, have a couple of cold brews and let, but they don't they don't even have that luxury this year just the way the schedule is whether it be you know teams playing their final regular season game this week or whether it be teams like the Cajuns who are preparing for a conference championship game on Saturday so it uh, it falls smack dab in the middle of a really busy time but again we're updating it and um, if you want to learn a little bit more about the class you can check things out as the signings come in uh, throughout the morning and End of the day. Uh, so, G, with that, ESPN1420N.com, um, let's talk some Cajun football, getting ready for this conference championship game. And uh, as far as what the Cajuns could do after that, I know that's been a big focus this week of what can they do to get into a select six bowl and, and this and that and that. I just I just want to focus on the game. You know, what can they do to win the Sunbelt Conference Championship? What, what are G's keys? What are... You don't have to spill them all. I know you'll give more just before kickoff on Saturday, but in your mind, what must happen Saturday if UL is going to get out of Conway with a win and a conference championship? Well, and, and, and you hit it on the head, Scott, because none of that other stuff matters. All the Cajuns can do is go win. If you don't win, none of it matters. It, it doesn't, you know, and if, if you win, you still can't control some of it. But uh, what you can control is how well you play against Coastal, how well you execute the plan that you put together, what kind of plan you put together, and, and then go make plays. And I think that that's the thing in looking at it. And, look, I, you know, what, what I'm going to say, and I'll say and everybody I talk to all week, this one's very simple. You've got to be able to play clean. You've got to be able to execute when the opportunities are given to you. And, and when, when I say that, I mean, the, the, the Coastal game, the first game was won by Coastal on a, by a second field goal based on a play that the Coastal defense made, the interception. The Cajuns had an opportunity to make to, to, to mirror that same play and couldn't do it. And so now there's going to be opportunities in the game. You're going to have to make those plays. You're going to have to maximize your opportunities. When you're playing against a team like Coastal, you're, you're the, not the time where you can't look at time of possession because Coastal is going to run the play clock down a lot. You've got to look at number of snaps. And, and so if you're going to have a similar amount of snaps that Coastal has, what are you going to do with those snaps? Are you going to have that third and, and, and one that you get the penalty on? Now it's third and six and you overthrow the screenplay. When the screen was a great call. Great call, uh, but but just didn't execute it quite well enough to be able to make it. Now, some people say, oh, ball should have been called. I would say ball should have been thrown at, uh, more accurate. Well, both are probably true. Truth be known is it shouldn't have been in third and six because, you know, you had a guy flinch and a real good player. And, I, you know, Max Mitchell was a guy that flinched. But, look, look, part of that, I don't always blame Max on that. Not the offensive line. It's third and one. You got your motor running hot. Now you're going to go hard count? I don't think that was smart. You know, so those kind of things are when, when you – are, are in those situations to where, okay, give your guys a chance to go make plays. And, and if, if you give them a chance to make plays, and that's one thing I do think that Coach Napier does a good job and his staff. He puts the guys in position to go make plays. And then they go make them. And, and in order to beat a team like Coastal, at Coastal, we saw how hard it is. BYU couldn't do it. You know, and and BYU ended up your chart on their last final opportunity, but where they they got down in, in in the area to give them a chance, but but I think the BYU coaches put them guys in a situation to be able to continue to do that. I think that there's going to be some opportunities with the Cajuns being able to do that on on both sides of the football, 
Um, Cajun defense line, Scott's playing really good right now, and they're going to have to play really good. This coastal offensive line is not very big. They're aggressive, they're ornery, and, and, but that's what they are. They're not going to get after you and just be just massive and physical. You're going to have to beat them. You can't tie them. You're going to have to beat them. But I tell you who is really good, that's C.J. Marable. And those running backs for Coastal, they run violent, they run angry, and they maximize their yards after contact. Instead of it being a one- or two-yard game, it seems to be a three or four. And that's all Coastal wants is to stay one tick ahead of the chains. And then all of a sudden they go on top. The Cajuns did not have to fight, uh, play against Isaiah Likely, the tight end last time. He was hurt. He's not hurt now. Now, he's not 100%, but he's not hurt. And he can make plays. Javon Highly, uh, 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 the receiver, played really, really good. But going into the game to, uh, in, in October, I said, ah, he's a good player, but, you know, Jag at best. And, and Jag's saying, J-A-G, just a guy. You know, good player, not great. Dude, this kid's playing really good right now, Scott. I mean, he just really is. He's a, been a, a good player. He's hard to defend, and he makes plays, and he's been real consistent with them. And so those kind of things are going to force you to have to execute. And, and, and you know, you've got to make plays. You've got to play clean, and you've got to take advantage of what opportunities you get because they just don't give you a lot. If you can do that, and I fully anticipate the Cajuns doing it, does that mean you're going to play perfect? No, you're not going to play perfect. Nobody plays perfect. But how do you respond to that? You know, look. One of the things I want to see is what's going to happen on the first punt. You know, can Paul Boudreaux get off a good snap? I fully anticipate he will. Go off there, get off a good snap. First extra point, get off a good snap. Once you do that, now you're beyond that. And so it's it, it's not just you know having to play clean, but it's going to be how you react to the to the not playing clean. All that makes it a lot of fun. But when you got two good football teams, it comes down to little things like that. Gerald Bruce, our Rage Engaged Analyst, our guest. We talked a bit about the matchup in October leading up to it, about Coastal being one of the bigger, you know, I think the biggest surprise in the conference. Now you fast forward here two months later, they're the biggest surprise in college football. And I'm not saying that, as a, as a knock, really, because at this point, obviously, I think everyone can see that they're they're really good. Just in terms of what was expected, I know the Cajuns are having unprecedented success this year, and they're ranked higher than they've ever been currently. I get it. Yet, gee, when we looked at the schedule, many thought, yeah, top twenty five is strong. Undefeated season's a possibility. Now they drop one, and it's against the team they get to face off against Saturday. Nobody was expecting this out of Coastal, and we said back in October, a big reason for their success is. The play of the quarterback, redshirt freshman, just playing better than anyone expected. Fast forward to now, have your have your thoughts changed on on him at all? In in what McCall's been able to do, um, is he still ultimately? You mentioned C.J. Marley, and he's he is a great player, and they've got they've got some really strong players. But you know how important the quarterback position is. G is he is he the biggest surprise in college football, or certainly in the Sun Belt Conference? Because without him. I, I Coastal's not in this position right now. Well, and you say it, it's either the biggest surprise in some belt. I, I, I take it that step further that you want to. You want to say is he the biggest surprise in college football? Is he? Yeah, is. yeah. Because nobody Coastal was picked last. It's they're wild. Last. Why would they pick? It's wild. Then they're a top ten team well, in the country right now. It's just nuts. How about that? 
And what's the difference? Because Likely was there last year. Kylie yeah. was there last year. Marable was there last year. The linemen were there last year. The defensive linemen were there last year. The mullets were there at linebacker last year. They still had the guys in the secondary that were there. What's, and guess what? Their quarterback was there last year. It's just he got beat out by a freshman. And look, they knew. They knew, talking with their radio guys, they knew that, that Grace McCall was going to be good. There was talk that he was going to play last year. Last year, he did get a couple snaps in there because he had the four-game redshirt rule. But, but they wanted to save his year to, to, be, to be able to play out the whole time because the offense, the complexity of the offense, you, you just need experience in it. The beauty that he had was is that he had that some recall from his high school offense, which – I'm just going on what I've heard. I don't know this to be factual. I'm just oh, this, this is what's been talked about. He ran a very similar offense in high school, so the carryover was very good. We, we, we being Jay and I were talking about it in the booth. We, we hearken it back to Jake DeLome. You mentioned Jake. You had him on this morning. You know, Jake DeLome, as a freshman, uh, came in and was able to do things, and, and we had everybody back. You start looking to, around you, and what do you have there? And you said, man, if we just had the guys saying hike, making plays, we'd be really good. Jake was a fourth-team quarterback in the first game of the year. The second game of the year, he started. You know, so he worked his way from four to one and a half. And it was based on the lack of production by the other guys. This didn't happen with, with, with Grace McCall. Grace McCall came into the season with two guys who had played ahead of him, and he beat him out in camp and started the year against Kansas making plays and didn't look like a redshirt freshman, but he is the guy. And if Coach was the the, the, the surprise of the year in, in, in college football, then it's got to go, go further than that with Grace McCall because the, the, the reason that Coach was picked last was because they had everybody back. Everybody knew what they were going to have. You know, it's, it's good news, bad news. Well, guess what? We got everybody back. Oh, bad news is, guess what? You weren't very good. You got everybody back. Well, but they got one guy nobody knew about. And that guy all of a sudden started making, because, Scott, you look at the guys up front. Now, they, they don't have anybody 300 pounds. Their center's five foot nine, 290, you know? Uh, and they got a guard next to him who doesn't dwarf him. So I don't know what they list him at. They list him at 6'1", but he's not, because he's standing next to the guy that's 5'9", and they look the same size. You know, so when you look at that, it, it's it's based on the ability of the guy to call and execute the offense and not get greedy and do what he, you know, know what he's got to do and do what he's being asked to do and, and just be, be clean with it. And he does it with an air of confidence and, and, uh, and maybe a little bit of arrogance, but they're playing really good right now because of him. ESPN1420.com. He, um, biggest surprise in college football, I don't think is a reach because Coastal is the biggest surprise. And he's not playing, you know, like for the Heisman or anything, but the fact that his team is playing in a game for a shot in the college football uh, select six, some feel like, you know, run the table, go undefeated, beat ranked teams, should be in the college football playoff. I, People have different opinions about that, but they're they're the biggest surprise in all of college football. And um, Jamie Chadwell, the lowest-paid coach in Division I uh, FBS as well. So I imagine he'll probably get a raise. Uh, with that, though, uh, Gerald, this matchup, I know Louisiana is, is anxious to get their shot at Coastal again. Really anxious. And to not just win the conference, but to, you know, I guess – make up for the L earlier this year. You know, I mean, it's not often 
you get to play a team twice in a season. And I know that, that UL and App play twice in a season, two straight years. But outside of conference championship games, it's just it doesn't happen very often. And now you've got an opportunity to do it against a team that beats you. The previous two years, they failed in their attempt to right the wrong or rectify, rather, that one L and, and, and App won. This year it's coastal, but the stakes are even higher, potentially, uh, a, a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl, depending on what happens with Tulsa and Cincinnati Saturday night um, and, and the college football playoff committee, of course. But I, I think, like you said early, they they can't control it. So their focus, I know where the fans' focus is, but it seems like talking to Napier this week and, and, and national early national signing days, you know, starting today and all that other stuff, I don't think they're thinking beyond Saturday. I mean, I, there's times, and, and gee, I know you listen sometimes, when I talk to Billy on Mondays, there are times where where he'll give me he'll give me a little bit, right? He'll he'll reveal a few things, you know, he'll open up and 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 then there are other times occasionally where it's like I mean, he's answering the questions, but I'm getting nothing. You know, like and I don't I mean, he's just this week it was it, it was nothing. Like the 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 and and I think it was just the focus and let's get let's stay on schedule like the routine like they are, they are zoned in right now. Is it going to make a difference on Saturday? I don't know, but my takeaway from the interview this week wasn't, you know, a new revelation about, you know, possibly what the depth chart might look like when it comes out on Wednesday nights or how he felt about a specific play. It was just kind of like, okay, not saying much. They're just, they're just ready to play. You know, that's all it was. And uh, he didn't want to discuss anything Chadwell said or the, he just, he wanted to say all the, 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 the just let's straightforward. This team's good. They do everything good. We're excited to have this opportunity. Um, you know, I'd love to say I could have got more out of them, but this week I don't think anybody could because they're just they're just focused on one thing, and that's the task at hand. Well, you remember what Judge Smell said on Caddyshack? Huh? You'll get nothing and like it, and um, <laughs> that's kind of just just that laser focus that they're going to have. Look, if you're going to go do this. And and they know the cages have fallen short in the past couple of years. So they know what it takes. They just haven't been able to do it. And if you're going to go do this, then, then, then he understands what, what his belief is it takes to get it done. And, and look, they got the, and, and Jay brought it up in the broadcast about you know, what he told Billy before the game is get that gorilla off your back get that boom. Cause that wasn't a monkey. I mean, that was a gorilla, a Joe fledged gorilla. And, 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 you know, um, he knew. And and, then I I think I mentioned to, I know I've mentioned to some people that they were late getting on the bus in in, in, uh, Hickory because he was not pleased with how the, the the walkthrough was going through. And I was talking to Travis Swallow, the the, uh, director of sports medicine. I said, dude, where are they? He said, well, when you're, when your head coach is calling the plays and the walkthrough doesn't go good, sometimes you're going to be late leaving. And I said, okay. And so we were a few minutes late leaving, which didn't, didn't, didn't matter at all because he wanted to make sure that he got things the way he wanted it. And I'm sure that's how he's been all week with the guys here. Uh, the other thing is, you, you, and I know you went through the COVID and, and recovering from COVID and stuff. The other part of it is, is that he's probably, you know, and now I'm only guessing this, but, but, you know, he had to sit out from some COVID issues himself and, 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 feels like that that kind of stuff gets involved in everything going around it and, and, and it's all around you and you hear it and you see it y'all and so the more you can just dial in your focus and try and put all that all the outside distractions 
just take them away, then then the more prepared you feel like you'll be. And and all those kind of things just they they keep you try and keep them out of your mind, Scott. But then somebody will start asking, well, Coach, what do you think about this? What do you think? And his deal is, I just want to hang up the phone with you. I don't. I'm not thinking about nothing. I just want to get back in there, get around my coaches, start talking to my team, and start preparing. Because you don't win the game uh, with all this other ancillary stuff. You win the game with your preparation, your execution on Saturday. But I'm telling you, look, Costa had to go through playing Saturday against Troy. Uh, Cages didn't have to play, but the thing the Cages have done since they beat Boone, they've watched Coastal win at the end of the game twice. Once stopping the other team from making a play, the next time making a play themselves. And so now, you know, you look at it, you see a team that understands how to win, understands how to win on both sides of football, but you also know that, hey, we're going to beat these guys. The only thing keeping us from beating them is, is them teeing it up. And so as, as much prep time as he feels like he wants to get, I'm sure it's wearing him out not to be playing today. And um, that's what makes it fun when you're coaching that excitement, that anticipation, that focus. And the other part of it is guys that you've got to be able to keep everybody else around you focused. And then with it, you know, I, I think that you, there's always that concern to, you know, this morning, everybody's testing in the complex, you know, Wednesday mornings, you go get tested and then you just wait because you don't know. So you wait, and right now, if you look on paper, Coastal and the Cajuns are both the same team with the addition of likely playing for Coastal now or the same team as they had back in, in October, just playing better. And so um, I, I, I think that's what makes it fun, but we still have to wait till this afternoon and, and make sure that everybody that, that's, that's oh, yeah. in there and that, that tested this morning is going to test negative. And then the other thing is, is that the case, we're leaving on Thursday now, tomorrow. So we're leaving tomorrow at, right after lunch to go there because of some media obligations on Friday morning in, in, uh, in Conway. And so coach didn't want to have to get up. On, you know, it sounds bad to say it this way, but butt crack early. I'm always up butt crack early, but, but coach didn't want to have to load the plane and get all the players up and all that kind of stuff. And, but, but so we're going to go up there Thursday afternoon, um, Spend the day Friday doing whatever you have to do media-wise as well as coaching them will be with their with his team and, and keeping them focused. And then we as, as media, we'll, we'll, we'll sit around and kind of enjoy. You know, it's, it's not like you're at Myrtle Beach during the summer. There's not going to be a whole lot of sights or nothing like that. But we'll enjoy a little relaxing time in Myrtle Beach. And then the other thing is they back the game up to 2.30, which is awesome for exposure. But, Scott, that's three and a half more hours that you have to wait now to tee it up. And let me tell you, that, that to him is going to, I don't know how many times, I do know. I mean, he is calling the game time after time after time after time in his own mind, he being Coach Napier. And it, it gets to be long and anxious and exciting, and it's so much fun. Gerald Bruce, our Rage Occasion football analyst and alum, our guest right now here on ESPN 1420. You use the word anxious. I mean, I, I think many are anxious to see that depth chart tonight. You know, as I mentioned you know, Billy didn't give me much on Monday morning, but um, if somebody wants to read between the lines or panic themselves, which they shouldn't, it probably means nothing. But uh, sometimes I'll ask him, well, I'll always ask him, you know, where are you guys from a health standpoint? And he'll, sometimes he says, we're good. I think we're, you know, there's been a few times where he said, we're about as good as we've been this year. You know, we came out of it okay. 
and then he adds the part of, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens and have the depth chart Wednesday night. This week it was, yeah, I'm not getting into that. We'll, we'll release the depth chart Wednesday night. Hey, maybe someone's freaking out. Oh God, what, what is it? I, I don't read too much <laughs> into it, guys. Just, uh, just wait and see what it looks like tonight. But it's, uh, it's that kind of year. But um, hopefully they can get the W. And uh, pregame will start 12:30 here on the flagship ESPN 1420. Steve Peliquin, Chris Gannon, uh, 1:30 on the rest of the Rage Cajun Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, and then Jay Walker and Gerald Broussard in the booth over at Myrtle Beach. Cody Juno on the sidelines should be uh, a good one for sure. After the game, we'll have uh, the Rays with Greg Larnard. Rage Occasion basketball on Saturday night against McNeese. Just a programming note, that will be heard on Newstalk 96.5 KPL only. So if you're looking for that Saturday evening, maybe when the Rage starts or, I mean, gee, you know how it is. These college football games these days last about four hours so. Between post-game and everything else, uh, you guys will be getting back pretty late, and uh, the broadcast should last a while. But we'll see what happens on Sunday after that. In the meantime, Gerald, I um, I appreciate the time, man. As always, uh, all the best to the fam. And um, closing note, but, but, you know, on this, on this game, you mentioned the D-line earlier and how they've been playing really well, and, and that's been something that has ascended – throughout the season, right? They're playing much better now than they were, say, in week two. I, you know how big I am on Taylor Humphrey, big sauce. I mean, I just think he is a difference maker. But I, is, is it him? Is it Zion? The question I'm about to ask you, is it, is it a Percy Butler? Is it a Max Mitchell? Is it just a Regis or an Eli? Who in your mind is the X factor in this ballgame for the Cajuns on Saturday? Percy. There you go. Percy Butler. Yeah, I just think that he, because he's got to do things on both sides of it. And look, Sauce and Zion, that's not to be understated what they're going to have to do. I think Sauce controlled the game last week against App State. Uh, App had a center in there who's a good player and really is a good player. and Try-hard guy, a little bit undersized. And, and, and he they were playing in Sauce's legs a little bit. And he kind of finally, just later on in the game, he had just had enough. And he started toe-ragging the guy. When I say toe-rag, just, just walking him back into the backfield on pass sets. Uh, there may be an opportunity for him to be able to do that. There not maybe. There will be. That little, little short, stumpy center at Coastal and stuff. If so, and they're going to try and get in Sauce's legs. And, and look, that kid at, at Coastal knows what it is because Coastal nose guard is, is every bit the size of Big Sauce, too. And so, you know, he understands what that is every day. But if, if Sauce comes out of his hips a couple of times, jacks him up, walks him back, and then it's 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 hard for for it'll be hard for McCall to throw with the 300 pound guy up under his chin, and I'm talking about the center. You know, you want to put the center back in his lap, and um, and and so, but but I think it's all going to come down to if if I've got to pick one guy, the linebackers we know what they can do for rods and 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 McCaskill and stuff, just running and make a play. They're going to have to do that. But man, when when Percy Butler steps up and when Percy Butler has a chance, he may be that guy to make that play against Likely and make a pick. I, I just he's he's that guy that I look for. If I've got to pick one guy, and look, I'm I like that. I want to hang my hat on him. I want to ride his back. I'm just telling you, I just think Percy's a good player and look for him to step up and and knock on wood, hopefully make a big play and game changing play. Good stuff from Gerald Broussard. Uh, and lastly, before we let you run. How's the uh, how's the the day job treating you these days? 
No, it's good. It's good. We're peddling a couple of policies over here at the BG Group and selling a little insurance. And, uh, you know, if anybody before Christmas wants to save a little money and maybe put some more money in your pocket, give me a call, 446-0441 or gerald.grusart at goosehead.com. Good stuff, G. Always appreciate it, man. All the best. Uh, if I don't talk to you before Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and the family. I hope you enjoy the time. As the uh, what, What's your grandpa name again? What what it? Grandpa. Oh, so just, just go with the standard right. grandpa. Okay. All right. Yeah, he he, he he couldn't say it for a little bit. He was calling me people, but now now he can say it. And he was at the house Sunday, and he was waving me over to him in the Tupperware drawers. And he, he, he doesn't say it clear, but he, he's not even right. do. You know, but he sits it, sits it, grandpa, sits it, grandpa. And I said, so I sit my fat butt on the ground. And play with the Tupperware and stuff, but uh, I'm just anxious to see if he ends up picking up some of your vernacular, like spiffy and brim, and and some of the things that that we all know Gerald loves to say. I think that'd be good. You got to pass things on to the next generation, right? Oh yeah, no, dude, he will be more than corrupted, no <laughs> doubt. Appreciate it, man. Merry Christmas. All right, my friend. Hey, you stay safe. You got it. And on that note, we are out uh, of time here on the Great Scott Show this morning. Again, for uh, National Signing Day uh, notes and, and when the National Letters of Intent become official, we're, uh, we're updating that stuff over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. You can check it out over on the website. In the meantime, thanks to Gerald Broussard. Big thanks to Andrew Juge of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. And to Jake DeLome. It's been a fun show this morning. Tomorrow, Norman Locke will join me. Yep. Yep. Been running his mouth quite a bit. Got a lot of thoughts. We'll talk plenty of NFL, college football, and other stuff. Don't go anywhere. It's coming. Uh, Steve Pelliquin's next. will be on the game on ESPN 1420. ESPN1420.com and the ESPN 1420 app.